0: Welcome to The Recovering Perfectionist, where you'll learn all the hacks you need to get started and finished on your business or project. You'll connect with successful entrepreneurs who are in perfectionist rehab, unapologetically experimenting and balancing life, business, family, and me time. I'm your host and Chief Recovering Perfectionist, Claire Barton. Hey Recovering Perfectionists, it's Claire Barton and I'm joined today by the gorgeous Kim Foster-Carlson all the way from the US. Uh, We finally managed to find a spot that's not too late and not too early for each of us, so it's great to have a bit of a chat. So Kim is based um, in San Francisco, she's been a journalist for 30 years, she's a mum to two daughters and she's just written a beautiful book about perfectionism, so of course we clicked and we wanted to have a bit of a chat. So welcome to the show Kim, great to have you here.
1: Thank you, Claire. I guess I should say hi. My name is Kim, and I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> and
0: then we say hi, Kim. <laughs> I started. Yeah. Uh, I spoke at a um, I spoke at Seven Sisters Festival in um, early 2018, and I did the same thing. I was like, "Hi, my name's Claire. I'm a recovering perfectionist." Hi, Claire. And it's been 386 days since I did something perfectly anyway a little bit of a a (laughs) tangent anyway welcome to the show it's awesome to have you here um um, a little bit about you but I'd love to start off if you can tell us a bit about you and your journey and um yeah who you are what you do as a person and in your professional life as well
1: well I'm um a a five-time uh, swimmer from, uh, and uh, an athlete who went on to the Olympic trials for swimming. And that was very, very, you know, uh, perfectionistic in that, you know, you're trying to be perfect in a world that, you know, is measured by one one-hundredth of a second or something like that. Um, so my, my skills of a perfectionist were honed early. I was a firstborn. My parents were both firstborns. So it seemed like everything was on me, not on my siblings. They could get away with everything. But for me, it was, um, you know, very high standards. And it's like, if I didn't make a mistake, then I felt accomplished. So I sort of pushed and pushed myself into swimming and then into the world of journalism. And um, journalism is where you can't make mistakes either. You know, I had a professor that said, if you, you know, write this article and you get everything correct, you get an A. But if I see one um, misspelling or, or something, you're going to get an F. So it's like wow. there was no, no in between for me. So I sort of started that whole, you know, it's either all fi- all success or all failure. And then I was doing sports on the radio, which was really unheard of in the early 80s for a woman to be doing sports. And my boss brought me and he goes, you know, you're a woman, you're going to be doing sports, and so you. everyone's going to listen to you closer than they would anybody else, so you cannot make any mistakes, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, so I, I, I started beating myself up over little tiny mistakes that uh, finally drew me to the therapist chair. The therapist said, you can't think of things as all good or all bad. You have to think of things as good enough, and I was like... Good enough. This is ridiculous. You know, I mean, it was. I, I, she said, just try it for a week. So I tried it for a week. And it, I felt like I had sort of a new lease on life. It's like, okay, I didn't, you know, I, I got the dinner on the table. It wasn't that good, but I did it, you know. So I, th- I think that um, she really helped me sort of realize that things weren't all good or all bad. They were good enough. But then I saw in my daughters who are also swimmers, accomplished athletes. Um, the same kind of things. If they made one small mistake, they were getting really upset at themselves and not trying things because sort of the sidetrack to perfectionism is procrastination. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I'm not going to start anything. So um, sort of wrote the book for them. (laughs) And uh, it They liked it, their millennial friends liked it, and then their parents liked it. So it's sort of taken off from from that point. But it's called Good Enough, How to Overcome Fear of Failure and Perfectionism to Live Your Best Life.
0: I love it. I absolutely can't wait. We were just talking before we started recording about Australia Post and how unfortunately awful it is. And I haven't received it yet, but I'm do. i so looking forward to reading it. I'm about a third of the way through writing my own book around the same sort of thing. So I'm super excited to (laughs) to hear what you've got to say as well. (laughs) Um, And we've talked about on the show quite a bit, um, quite often before with various people, this, um, a a couple of things, a couple of things that kind of pop pop up into my head with what you've just said. And there's the first thing is that perfectionists and people who um, identify with that sort of thing really hold themselves to such a high standard. They don't really care what everyone else is doing around them. And it's almost like a, I hate using the word martyrdom kind of thing, but it's almost like I'll do it so that you don't have to like, I'll do this, I'll do everything perfectly so that you can enjoy your lives. And you kind of do this thing. And you know, often um, as you've said, exactly like perfection is there's perfect. There's pure perfection and there's also fear. So you're either afraid of failing, afraid of looking stupid, afraid of getting it wrong or being embarrassed or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really, a really cool um, conversation. So I'd love to maybe just start by talking about that um, athleticism and and that sort of thing. So the, you know, you mentioned um, when perfectionism is measured by one one hundredth of a second, and that must be horrendously um, stressful at times. You know, you, you want something so bad and you're striving for it, but you can miss out by such a tiny little wee margin. Um, so, yes. yeah, how, how did, that, is, did that kind of come from you, or was that an expectation from your family, or you know, how do you think that kind of bubbled up to become such a big issue for you?
1: I think it's you know inherent in the sport of swimming or anything where you're racing a clock as well, you know. Um, and then I saw that in my daughters, but I have a story in the book about my daughter being just good in thinking and of the attitude of being good enough and it made, she won a bronze medal at the world championships yeah. um, in 2009 in Rome. She barely qualified. She, they take two. She was the second qualifier and they went to Rome and she barely made the final. She was eighth and they uh, only three get medals. You know, it's just like the Olympics. It's like mm-hmm. poor the poor fourth place person, you know, is, is out. And, um, and she ended up out of the far right lane um, actually I think she beat somebody from Australia, but
0: We will take it personally, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good.
1: Um, and got third place. Wow. And so she she calls me up. She's like, I've never been so happy to get third place. And I go, Well, I go, you were just good enough. She goes, I know, that's all I wanted to be, oh, you know. And wow. it's like So I think there's a lot for learning, you know, of uh just enjoying life enjoying the process and I also talk in the book um mm. with basketball is very big here in the Bay Area the NBA team uh, Golden State Warriors they've won um two championships in the last three years and they have a, a a player on the team called Steph Curry and he uh plays with joy he plays you know he shoots from half court and he makes it um, his college coach said that he was not afraid to fail, that he was going to keep shooting he'd miss five in a row, and then he um, all of a sudden he 'd be able to make five because he never lost confidence and um, he 's very small, six foot two for you know the nBA he looks like a regular kid guy, you know, nobody really thinks this tiny little kid is going to do these amazing things. And they just started up again. They started practice today. And he's like, our whole season is going to be about fun and playing with joy and staying in the moment. And that's exactly how you get out of that perfectionistic tizzy, I call it, that you get into is the gratitude, playing with joy or living in, you know, in the moment and not worrying and not worrying about failing. And even trying to fail because from, if you win, you learn, if you fail, you learn and you get more information sometimes by failing than you do from winning.
0: Mm. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's, I think that's one of the hardest lessons to learn is to uh, get okay with failing and enjoy it. And I know um, my coach um, and who's a very good friend of mine as well. I remember years ago and she said, um, I think she was doing some sort of program as well and she was given a project and then handed the project to the rest of us and her family and her partner and that sort of thing to go out and try and do something that you'll fail at. So go and find something to fail at. And the exercise was like going to Starbucks, order a coffee and ask for a discount because they're going to say no because you don't get discounts at Starbucks just because you asked for, for one, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to be told no. It's really hard to ask for something that you know you're going to get rejected on. But actually, it doesn't matter. And when you can kind of start practicing that, it just opens up so many different opportunities, doesn't it? Because you're like, oh, someone said no to me, and the whole world didn't fall apart. I I failed at something, right. and the world kept turning, and I everything was fine, you know. And once you do it enough times, it just becomes just part of the process. It's, you don't even think about it. You're like, oh, I'll just give it a go, and if it doesn't work, like I I totally agree with you. I think failing is more important than succeeding because it shows you like what to what to work on or what to drop like so many times and i'm i'm famous for it and i see it in my kid in my my son especially that um i famously have said to anyone who'll listen pretty much if i don't get good at something really quickly i'll i'll drop it i'll try anything but if i'm not good at it pretty quickly i i lose interest i have a very short concentration span right i try not to say that in front of my kids because i don't want them to have that same sort of thing but i already see it in in my son especially like he's he is a bit of a perfectionist and he is very sensitive and he does want to impress people and he does want to get things right and he's he beats himself up he's five right like he's little um so trying to be a role model so that he's not seeing me beat myself up if I get something wrong um and that has been a really big catalyst for me as well like just going I don't don't want them to have these sorts of ridiculous hang-ups I don't want these like my little people to be stressed out if they make a mistake or that sort of thing. So it's, it's been a really big kind of big learning curve to just go, oh, well, let's just do something silly and <laughs> see yeah. what happens.
1: No, yeah, that's why I wrote the book because mm. I saw that and, in them. And it's funny because I, my daughter goes, well, I read the chapter about me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> such a millennial thing to do. But um, I also <laughs> researched and there's a school in back east. It's called Smith College and every incoming freshman has to take this class on failure and they have to fail at something because they had students coming in and this is a ivy league school a uh, uh, very high achieving school and kids had never gotten a an a minus on a you know a report card wow. and all of a sudden they were getting they got an a, a b in a class and they were quitting i quit i'm out wow. you know i'm done yeah, right.
0: yeah. so
1: this class has really uh, helped a lot of these freshmen and you have to same like you said, go out and find something to fail at and um, get the information that you need and then fail again. And you have to fail all the way through the the semester. And the school administrators say it's changed um, the lives of so many students. And they don't have students coming in so distressed about um, not being perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And look, I I've, um, see every other video I feel like I watch on Facebook and that sort of thing is something around resilience and, you know, there's so much stress with all the technology and all the competing priorities that we have in our lives. And I mean, you and I are uh, like, I feel like it's changed since I have w- actually found some mixed, mixed tapes from when I was a <laughs> teenager, right? And, and my kids were like, what are they So, you know, back then I had some some CDs that my best friend burned in high school half my lifetime ago playing in the car the other day. And I was like, it was so simple, but we used to spend Saturday afternoons making mixed discs. That's what we kind of did. And we might be on the phone a couple of times a week, but pretty much we'd watch telly or we'd read a book or whatever. But now you know, even in that short space of time, there's so many competing priorities. You're always on your phone. You're always contactable. There's so many people who want something from you. Um, and especially like, like you know, you've got your own business, you've got our own businesses that there's, there, it's so hard to switch off, especially when you're working for home, from home or you're working from yourself. You don't get to go to the office and clock on at nine and clock off at five. You're always around and you're always like, you know, your business is kind of who you are as well. And you're just so on. So there's so much pressure to be, Everything to everyone and I can't even imagine what it's going to be like for my kids when they're my age right In another 30 years or so Um, And so yeah, anything that sort of like takes it away and we've had a lot of conversations on here about um, young people who've had things like eating disorders or depression or anxiety and how perfectionism kind of plays into that and these Ridiculous expectations that we have for ourselves and for our kids and for You know people in our community and that sort of thing. So I think you know, anything that builds resilience and gets us just not taking everything so frigging seriously all the time. Right. And, right. and playing like have right, a exactly. experiment, try it out. If it doesn't work, that's great. You know, often I'll say, um, if you get, if you get a hater or someone disagrees with you, brilliant. That is awesome because you either have the opportunity to have the courage of your convictions and back yourself up and be like, yeah, I still really believe this. Even though someone hates me for it, I still really believe in this tick. Or you go, wow, they've got a really good point. Maybe I should reassess. That's really great as well because then you can, you know, filter things and make sure that you are actually on track. It's, it's totally necessary, but it's really freaking hard to learn to start. With.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. But I, I also talk about how you always think people are – uh, my kids were like, oh, I can't do that. I'm being embarrassed or they're mm-hmm. watching me. And it's like uh, in reality – people are sort of self-absorbed. They're into their own totally. world. They're not, even, they're not even watching you. They don't care. They're out doing something else. So you sort of have, uh, if you can get that spotlight sort of away from yourself and know that people really aren't watching you that closely. Totally. That you, you can do more things without worrying about what people think. And people are, like I said, they're very self-centered. They're, more think- they're thinking about themselves more than they're thinking about you. Absolutely. But yeah, but I really talk about gratitude, and that has helped me, I think, the most is uh, writing down three things you're grateful for in the morning, Mm -hmm. um, and one person to thank during the day, either by email or call or whatever, um, as it gets you out of that sort of self-absorbed, egocentric thing, you're thinking, okay, I'm grateful, you know, and it can be just simple things, like I'm grateful for my cup of coffee this morning, or I'm Mm -hmm. grateful. Um, that my children are healthy, you know, yeah. or something like that. But I, I feel like that has made a big difference.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's it's definitely in my um, world a bit more these days as well. I've got my gratitude journal, which I'm a little bit lax with, I must admit. But um, I was in the habit at the beginning of the year of doing that, like three, every, every morning, write down three things you're grateful for. And I kind of, you know, sometimes I remember it and sometimes I don't. I feel like I'm a pretty positive person. So it's kind of a natural thing. But I'm really starting to try and get my kids involved in it as well. Like I said, my son's five, my daughter just turned four. And usually on the way to school, we talk about, Like we, sometimes we use the word lucky or sometimes we'll say I'm, I'm thankful for, or sometimes blah blah. blah. And, and they now do it. And they're like, well, what are you thankful for? And they ask each other and it's can be things like I had orange juice today or I've got a new dress up or whatever. But then they're starting to think about things outside themselves. And I'm just like, thank goodness. We've kind of, I hope that this is setting them up so that they, you know, take that through their lives as well. But, um, yeah wish that yeah that is I think it does I think you have to start early
1: and this generation is all about the internet you know and how Instagram and Facebook and how you look and how you act so I think they're even going to have a harder time of it because of that they're you know but their their lives are in the spotlight so to speak but that it's not all about how you look it's about how you treat people how you how you um, are grateful how you stay in the moment and you And you play with joy. I was um, in the middle part of the country of the United States talking about my book, and um, they they said that that they remember athletes that played with joy, and that you know even if you have your own business, you see people that are just so happy in their business that that sort of rubs off on you. That's like, oh, okay. If these people aren't grumpy, they're not you know unhappy, they're not stressed out. They're they're enjoying their life and they're and they're really happy to have you you know be there be there for their business then I think that makes a huge difference in terms of success in a business Mm -hmm. you know
0: and and that's a tricky one as well isn't it that sort of um, the difference between being a little bit jealous or, or thinking like why don't I have that or um, that comparisonitis thing versus wow, look at them—they're amazing. They can do it; I can too. And that can be a bit of a tricky hurdle as well. But I think that's um, that's kind of the plight of the perfectionist as well, because we kind of are in that egocentric, like oh, it's all about me, and I've got to do it all by myself. And uh, you know, they can do it, but I can't. Why aren't I there yet? That sort of thing. That's a, that's kind of a tricky um, transition to make as well, isn't it?
1: Oh yes, definitely. I feel that. Um the comparison thing is really hard because especially if you're in sports, it's, you know, you're competitive mm-hmm. and in your business, you're competing with, you know, other businesses. Um, but I really found that if you, there's enough for everybody, there's enough money, there's enough yeah. businesses, there's enough the, the internet to go around. Mm. And um, if you can be joyful and happy seeing people succeed, that will help you succeed. Mm. And I think if you're, if you're in that sort of, they call it the reptilian brain where you're just like, Oh, I guess, you know, sort of on a lower level and just like mad at the world because why do they have this? And I don't have this. Mm -hmm. Then you attract more of that into you. But if you, if you are able to say, Oh, congratulations for your success, you know, I Mm -hmm. hope to be like you someday. Mm -hmm. Then there's more than enough to go around. Um, I think you, you, uh, Pull that, that comes out of you and then you attract that as well. It's sort of yeah. that law of attraction yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, totally.
0: Beautiful. So I'd, I'd really like to um, go back to the joy thing because I think that is something that um, is really interesting, like playing with joy, whether that's in sports or in business or in your life. So how did you, when you kind of um, realized that that needed to be part of your recovery from perfectionism, how did you get more joy into your life and how did you flick from competition to joy and still maintain that sort of drive to to succeed
1: right yeah well in radio I'm on the air sometimes for five hours at a time reading the news and I'm running I'm running all the commercials and the microphones and everything too there's gonna be mistakes they're gonna be you know it's like you're gonna try you know but you're gonna push the wrong button sometimes or things like that. And I used to just beat myself up. I'd cry all the way home. You know, my little commute home from San Francisco, I'd just be like, why did I do that wrong? You know, and it was, and then I'd tell my husband, I'm like, oh my gosh, did you hear? that? I had like, uh, no, they call it dead air. I had dead air. You couldn't hear anything because I messed up. And he goes, I didn't even notice it. And I'm Mm. like, okay, I'm over-focusing on my mistakes. Mm. Uh, And I had a news director, a boss who I just loved. And he was like, can't people love those they love the humanism they love the mistakes they love the um being yourself just be yourself and people will respond to that um I was a news talk station that was sort of personality based and um once I sort of got that freedom they were like god you sound terrific you sound fantastic And I was like okay why didn't I, I sound the same last week but I was I had let myself off the hook with you know, there's going to be mistakes, but I'm going to, you know, and we, we used to laugh about them, you know, like, Oh, you know, the, the gremlins are out. They messed up. the <laughs> But I mean, um, I think if you, if you live your life, like you're not, you're I'm not going to make a mistake. You're not really going to try many new things either. Yeah, that's true. You can't stretch really. Can you? Yeah. So I, you know, I've it's allowed me to try so many different things and writing a book and going out on the road and talking about the book and, um, so many other things where I was like I would be you know before I'd be like oh no I'm afraid I'm afraid I'm gonna make a mistake <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I think that takes you out of the moment takes you out of the joy
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, one if you can come back into that I always talk to my girls about this well why did you get into swimming don't you remember when you were six and you got to Eat candy and play with your friends. I mean, this is the same thing, except you're on the national stage, you know. And and they're like, "Yeah, you're right, mom." You know, so I think you have to almost go back to your kid-like behaviors of why you why you got into this in the first place. You know, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So true, and and connecting with that purpose. And I think, like, I something that really helped me and, and continues to help me when I when I start beating myself up about something is to think. About how much more I can connect and how much more I appreciate other people when they make mistakes, and they can say, "Like, hard on my sleeve, I've done, I've, I've stuffed up. I'm really sorry about this." I'm like, "Oh, thank God, they're not perfect as well. It's not just like it's not just me who makes mistakes." And when I started this podcast and I started a Facebook group, actually, I had a Facebook group already, and I changed it to be called "The Recovering Perfectionists." People, it was like I just felt like everyone was sitting around a Christmas table, and we all just let our belts out, and we're like, "Oh, thank goodness." <laughs> I don't have to- sit here pretending like I'm something that I'm not anymore it was just this you could feel this kind of sigh of relief and people just came out of the woodwork going me too I'm a recovering perfectionist I, I don't do this and I don't know what I'm doing and I need help with this where in a lot of other places they felt like they had to kind of you know be up here and like it, I, I was explained like you're sort of holding your breath you're kind of just like walking around like waiting for someone to realize that you're not actually as perfect as you thought you were and when you can do that for yourself it automatically holds space for other people to come in and do it and you're never alone then because everyone is waiting for someone to take that first step right and once you've done that you're like oh I'm I'm not the only person who's who's like that and you know we kind of do all live in these ridiculous silos from time to time and it's so unnecessary (laughs) it's actually really nice when you can kind of just chill out and you can connect with people and go, oh, you're not just a robot who's amazing and on the other side. And, you know, we've all got our right. own shit going on. Everyone's got something going on, you know? So, yeah, it's really... Yeah, no, I,
1: my, um, I have a son as well and he is, has autism. And that that was part of the whole thing that threw me into this Perfectionistic tizzy, so to speak, is like, oh my gosh, I've got to cure him. There's all this stuff on the internet. Yeah. I've got to do eighty thousand thing, you know, and and I just was consumed by it. Um, and you know, he goes out in public. Sometimes he's great. Sometimes he's not great. You know, so it's sort of getting over the fact that um, you know he is a little different. He's a high functioning now, and he lives on his own, and he's doing great. But um, that those early years were tough when parents were, you know, you'd go you know, parents were doing fun things with their kids. And I was, you know, in speech therapy with him and doing all these other things that, you know, I was always like, why me? And now I understand, you know, he has so many gifts to bring to everybody. Yeah. But you do wonder, you know, you, you do wonder more what people think of him, or if they think it's your parenting, or that's yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but yeah. he, yeah, but he's been a joy. Um, and now he's doing just tremendously well but it's still it's like people don't some people don't understand autism so they say things that aren't appropriate to you and you're just you know to me i just think okay they they're just uninformed you yeah. know i don't think i don't get mad at them yeah. and i try to inform them you know oh no he he you know he has a regular intelligence it's just his speaking is behind you know yeah. this and that you know yeah. so um i think it's been a great opportunity to bring more awareness to it and um everyone that knows them loves them. And so I think he, he is a great ambassador for, for what kids can grow up to be as adults. And, yeah. um, and, and it, it has helped me sort of overcome that perfectionism as well. Like he's, this, he lives in his own world and lives in our world and he's tremendous, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And was becoming a mom kind of part of your catalyst to helping you, your, yourself get over the perfectionist things. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. I think, what brought me <laughs> to the therapist chair was
1: yeah. the, um, was all of it. You know, yeah. the swimming, the, my older daughter's competing in athletics, and then mm. my son, you know, having such a difficult time early on, um, something had to give. I was about yeah. ready to crack. So mm. I think when they when the therapist said, you know, you can't think of things as all good or all bad. You have to think of things as good enough. And mm. And that took me a while and it's, I still struggle with that sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think, and that doesn't mean that you, you're, you can sit on the couch and do nothing all day. Oh, I'm right. good enough. Whatever. You know? <laughs> you, you know, it doesn't give you the okay, the okayness to be a slob or something right. like that. Yeah. You know, but it, it, it sort of gets you out of the 110, I have to be 110% Probably. because yeah. you actually work better at 90%. You can go a lot further at 90%. Yeah,
0: for sure one thing that, um, that I heard when I was starting to, and I, my main catalyst, I think, was becoming a parent and I just realised, like, oh, I can't do it all anymore um, and there's no hiding when you've got a newborn who is awake 21 hours a day, like, you can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's nothing. Exactly. It. Um, <laughs> someone said, you know, your, your 80% is someone else's 150% anyway, right? Like, in certain areas and when you're working in your zone of genius and when you're doing something that you love and you're passionate about you don't have to do 150% because you're already like you can do like somewhere below a hundred percent capacity or, or input from you is still going to be amazing and so helpful to other people as well. So you don't have to, you know, have all the bells and whistles and that sort of thing. Um, And um, yeah, I think that's a really helpful thing to realize. Like, you don't have to be perfect. And I've had this conversation with people sometimes because they're like, "Oh, there's no, there's no problem with being perfectionist. I like doing things perfectly." I'm like, "No, no, no. I'm not saying you get to do a shit job. You know, (laughs) don't get to be a blob and and sit around and just let people do everything for you. Uh, You don't have to agonize over delivering or doing or looking or seeming completely perfect And, and like you've got all of your like you've got everything together all the time."
1: So oh, yes, yeah, it's like right. when people come over, you know, we shove things in the closet and yeah. then we're okay with that, you know, and <laughs> but the perfectionists, they can't do that. They've got to rearrange the closet before yeah. they do that. So I I think um I did talk about 90% in the book about going at 90%, you can yeah. go a lot longer. If you go 110% you're going to burn out really quickly.
0: Totally. Yeah. And that helped me a lot like
1: okay, I've done five things today. I'm going to re- with my business, I'm just going to you know, put that behind me. I'm not going to try to do five more before everybody gets home, you know.
0: Yeah. I'm actually going to enjoy the fact that I work for myself and I can sit down and watch Netflix for the next half an Yes, hour. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Love it. Well, um, I, we can sit here and talk about this all day because we're obviously completely on the same page and I, <laughs> I really love having this chat. Um, I would love to know, um, for anyone who's listening, how can we follow you? How do we get in touch? How do we get our hands on your beautiful book? Oh, um,
1: here, here it is right here. There it is. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can go to It's and on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy your books online. Mm-hmm. Um, Good Enough, How to Overcome Fear of Failure and Perfectionism to Live Your Best Life, uh, under my name, Kim Foster Carlson. I also have a webpage, kimfostercarlson.com, and then we have a Good Enough Facebook group, which is similar probably to your Facebook group, uh, where we talk about different things, and we have guests, bloggers, and and, and a lot of people resonate with this uh, issue of perfectionism. Mm-hmm and fear of failure. So um, it's been a nice journey so far. And, and I learned something every time I talk to you or anybody about mm. how to, how to, you know, just the tips to how to, to live your best life and, and uh, not be so bogged down about um, being perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Absolutely. I completely agree. Virtual high five. <laughs> <All right. laughs> awesome. All right. I think you're, Suffering. I was going to say, I
1: think you're uh, my sister from another mother. We talk Absolutely. the same language.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You have a much nicer accent than I do. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're talking the same language. Awesome. Uh, so all of the links will be in show notes um, and uh, yeah, you'll see us on social media and all that sort of thing. But I really appreciate you coming on, Kim. Thanks so much for getting in touch and I can't wait to read the book. And yeah, I'm sure we'll talk again very, very soon.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Claire.
0: All right. I'll talk to you soon. And that is absolutely it, my lovely. So I hope you've really enjoyed the episode. It was great fun recording that one as it is with all of them. If you'd like to connect, I'd love to stay in touch with you. I have a beautiful Facebook group um, community at bit.ly forward slash The Recovering Perfectionist Crew with all um, capital T-R-P and C. I'm also, I have a massive goal this year to get 50,000 downloads on my podcast and I've got a YouTube show as well. So I'd love for you to help me out if you can by either subscribing to the podcast on iTunes. So if you want to go over and do that now, that would be awesome. If you have a couple of favorite episodes or if there's one favorite episode that you've really enjoyed, I would love you to share that with anyone who you think would get as much out of it as you have as well. And while you're in iTunes, if you can jump in and give it a review, that would be amazing. iTunes definitely helps out podcasts that have got some some good ratings and reviews and some really interactive listeners. So I would really appreciate your help with getting to my goal of 50,000 in 2017. The show is also available over on YouTube. The links are always in the show notes, so you can um, head over there. So it's The Recovering Perfectionist on YouTube. There's a channel for that as well. So jump in and leave your comments. You can watch all of the episodes in video. So if you want to see what we look like and our crazy hand gestures and uh, facial expressions and all of that sort of thing, absolutely jump in. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel show as well and then you'll be kept up to date when there's some uh, new episodes that come in there. So yeah, love your support. And if you want to shoot me an email, it's hello at clairebarton.com.au always happy to receive your emails and yeah open up a conversation all right big love i'll chat with you soon bye